You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 10 of the Versus Node podcast. My name's Eddie Inzotto, and I'm the website director at GamerNode.com and your host of the Versus Node podcast. With me today are Jason Finelli. What's up, Jason? How you doing? This is number 10? Unbelievable. Yeah. We made it. Double we digits. It. <laughs> we didn't get kicked off. Yeah, really. They so how are you? Us. I'm doing all right. Can't complain. Um, it's three weeks till Christmas, so anyone Woo-hoo. who's in a bad mood can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler, what's up, Tyler Cameron? Also, hey, how's it going? Yeah, this is my number two. Podcast. Number two, number two for Tyler. That's the deuce. Awesome, <laughs> big deuce. So, how you been? Very well. Yeah, how yeah. you enjoying that Southern California weather? Oh my God, it's so nice not to have snow right now. Because you are from Michigan originally, which is not. Southern California in any no, way, shape, or form. Shitty. Um, it is completely shitty right now. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so. Right now I'm in South Carolina and I was out in shorts and a t-shirt every day this week. <laughs> and in New York they have snow and stuff, which is where I'm from, New York. Yeah. Poor bastards. Yeah. Jason, being from the Northeast, you haven't had the beautiful weather, so you've probably been stuck inside playing video games. What have you been playing lately? Um, I finished Assassin's Creed 2 on Thanksgiving night. Nice. um, Which blew my mind, put everything back together, and then blew it again. Awesome. Um, Modern (laughs) Warfare 2 online, mostly. Left 4 Dead here and there, Uncharted. Um, it my it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, which is usually what happens this time of year. Yeah, it's out. You want to play everything, so you do a little here, a little there. But most of my time is cleaning up those last couple achievements in Assassin's Creed 2, and then getting frustrated online with Modern Warfare 2. Word. Yeah, I've uh I just listened to a conversation a couple days ago. People were having about Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer, and they were really complaining about it like comparing it to call of duty 4 would you say that that's a, a general sentiment or is that an isolated complaint well it's a, it's it, that's not the reason i get frustrated i get frustrated because i'm terrible at it oh. um so that that's why i would get frustrated at it i have no i have no lag issue i have no connection issue I, i've never i have any i mean there's a couple of times where it's lagged and a couple of times where i've been booted but out of 100 matches it might have happened five times Mm-hmm. So it's not like every other match I'm getting kicked. It's not like you know Tekken on PS3 was when it first came out. Right. Were you a big Call of Duty 4 player? I played it a lot when it first came out, and then it dwindled mm-hmm. on me because there were other things to play. I, I'm definitely more into Modern Warfare 2, though, because it's easier to rank up. Much uh-huh. easier to rank up. The fact that there's now Death Streaks, which I call my new best friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, it, it seems like it's easier to score points. I feel like I'm already at a rank now that I never reached in Call of Duty 4. Right. So, and it's what, two weeks in? Three mm-hmm. weeks in? So, Maybe yeah, definitely. I wonder if that's a reason that some of the more hardcore veterans of the series 
would complain about. Are they PC gamers? Well, I mean, I mean, aside from all the PC complaints, I mean, just people are complaining about the the specific mechanics of the online gameplay. Um, I, don't have, I don't have a problem with it at all. I think okay. the, I think the match selection is varied enough. Mm. Perks, I think the, yeah, perks are good. I like the okay. fact that there are like 15 different um, kill streaks, and you have to choose three of them. You right. really unlock all of them. I like that. So it adds. So it's a, a little, little strategic. Yeah, it adds a lot of variety to games and. There's nothing more humbling than seeing that countdown in the top left when someone's about to drop a nuke on you. Um, <laughs> that that's kind I of... got nuked three times in one day. Like really? Oh, that's fun. And one game it happened twice in a row, or two games that happened twice in a row. The same fucking person wow. nuked everyone twice in a row. That's, a, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so what have you been playing, Tyler? Um, kind of the same thing. Same um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I finished up Assassin's Creed 2 maybe two weeks ago, and uh, I loved every second of it, so Word. nothing new to say there. Um, and other than that, I've just been playing uh, Call of Duty and uh, Left 4 Dead. Nice. Left 4 Dead I've mainly been playing at night, though, with my girlfriend, because it's kind of like our game that we play at night. I'm so cool. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she's the one that's into it more than me. Like, I will get so frustrated at that game to the point where, like, my heart is beating hard <laughs> at the TV because I'm so mad because, like, some guy didn't carry the gas canister the right way or did something stupid. And I'm very angry. So, but she loves it, and I play with her because she loves it, and that makes me love it more. So, good awesome. times there. Oh, how sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So I've been playing, sort of like Jason said, It whenever the end of the year comes, I have this mad rush to finish everything that has come out during that year, just simply because, you know, of, of Gamer Node and wanting to maintain my journalistic integrity with Game of the Year voting That's and that sort of thing. It. Journalistic integrity, yes, I have that. No, so, so I win. I got the achievement for it last year. Um <laughs> But uh, I, pl- I played an interesting string of games. I played Assassin's Creed 2, Infamous, Prototype, and Uncharted 2. So I have been comparing the shit out of everything in those games. Like, there's so many comparisons to be made between them. But, uh, yeah. So I think I speak for both of you guys when I say that anything's infamous is the game of the year. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Um, no, 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 no. Uh, okay, you played all four of them. Rank them one to four. Right now? Yes. Oh man, I can't do that. Uh, right, I have to mind. save something for the end of the year. Okay. Come on, we have the Nodi Awards where we give out Game of the Year. That's what this is about. Yes. Well, I know. I was just saying, like right now, off the cuff, if you had to pick. Oh, I, I, I could do it. I could do it, but I'm gonna make you wait. So cool. there. Oh. <laughs> and everyone else. That's a tease. Don't do that to me. Edge of your seat. Gotta know what you think you. <laughs> oh man! I can't decide what game I like more until I hear Eddie tell me first. And that's you are, be. You just have so much integrity right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't base anything off of me. Everyone, make your own decisions in everything just, you do. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't presume that anyone listened to anything I said, actually. But you know. <laughs> so today 
I wanted to talk about uh, morality systems in games. And a couple of those games that I mentioned do have morality systems. Specifically, this uh, idea came up a long time ago when Jason and I were talking with Jeff Matleff about the best games of 2009, and he said that he thought that Infamous had sort of a flawed morality system. And I didn't exactly know what he was talking about at that point because I hadn't played it. But thinking about it, I can understand where you can play a game that has a lot of choices, you know, player-dependent character development, and you can see a lot of times that, you know, maybe it could be done better or differently or more naturally or or anything like that, and uh, I thought it would be a good thing to talk about. So, I mean, it's it's becoming more common now for player decisions to factor into the narrative ever since, I don't know really what started it, but I remember a lot in, like, the first Fable, that was a big deal, like, oh, you have all these choices, black and white, a lot of Peter Molyneux stuff, but it's it's become so commonplace now. But really, I wanted to ask you guys, I guess we'll start with a big, broad question. What makes a good morality system or, you know, good, bad, choice-based narrative, I guess you could say. Um, Jason, what do you think makes a good one? A good morality system needs impact later on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just going to make a decision and it's not going to have anything to do with the rest of the game, whether it be uh, uh, NPC's perception of you or, like, doing something here that will affect an action later on down the road, then it's useless. What's the point of having a morality system if there's no effect? Mm-hmm. And it has to be a good effect, too. Like, Infamous, yes, it was flawed, but um, I liked how the story changed depending on which way you went. If you were a good guy, it was one way. If you were a bad guy, it was another way. Like, for example, the decision in the towers mm-hmm. towards the end of the game. If you went the good side, it made sense. If you went the bad side, while well, it was a kick in the teeth, it made sense. <laughs> I like that. I like that about Infamous. But at the same time, in a game like Mass Effect, which mm-hmm. I loved, by the way, if you haven't gathered. Oh, um, we didn't know. <laughs> while there was a morality system, it was more a morality system of people's perception of you, which in mm-hmm. theory only changes a couple of lines of dialogue. Right. Which is cool, but at the same time doesn't have any real impact on the story. Mm-hmm. I think I think in order to have an effective morality system, you have to have a lasting impact on your entire gameplay, so much so that multiple playthroughs will give you all the branches. Right. Yeah, that that's a good point. You kind of want your, your good guy to have one experience and your bad guy to have another one. I think that's definitely a valid concern in a lot of the games where the decisions are really just nominal as opposed to impactful. What do you think, Tyler? Um, I kind of have to agree with what you said, that the best rally systems are the ones that make you think and really consider what you're going to do. I remember in GTA 4, a lot of the choices you had there weren't necessarily like as clear-cut as this is the light-side choice and this mm-hmm. is the dark-side choice, what kind of character you want to be. <clears throat> it was kind of just like, well, which character do you want to die and which one do you want to live? And this is going to affect the rest of the game. And I remember, like, a couple of those choices, like, I had to sit for a long time and actually consider, like, oh, man, this is, this is, wow, I don't know what to do. You know, I had to think about it for a long time before I actually made my decision. And 
And like after I did it, I literally felt bad for the rest of the game about what oh, I had decided because it was that impactful to me. Like I like the morality systems where it's kind of like bad. What kind of character do you want to be? Mm-hmm. But I feel like they're just they're kind of clear cut now because at least Mass Effect was kind of good at, at least making you think that or like mixing up like maybe this good thing that I think that I'm doing isn't really the actual like good choice, you know? Or it's just like, oh, do you want to save these people and give them food or take it all away? And you get like yeah. seven dark side points for that, you know, like an infamous or something. But um, yeah, um, I also wanted to bring up Fallout 3 because even though they have good and bad choices in that game and how you can like go about like making your character, I also like that it lets you um kill specific quest important characters. For example, if you're doing a quest for a guy who is maybe, like, giving you something good to do, but you don't particularly like him, you can do that quest and get, like, the light side points, and then immediately after it's over, just shoot him. <laughs> just kill that guy, and then, and then rob him. And then, you know, and then you don't have to worry about, like, missing the quest or anything like that, and you still get, oh, good karma, but you can still kill that son of a bitch. So I like that, how it kind of lets you shape the story that way where it's not necessarily something scripted you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but then if uh if you would have had the opportunity to do more from that character you forfeit that opportunity by yeah that's true yeah that's a really good point about the clear-cut good and bad choices i don't know it's a little annoying you have to be either the light of the world or an evil asshole and yeah. there's very little in between. I like choices also that are that are far more ambiguous, like that you don't even know really which would be considered good or bad. Like if there are situations in games that can allow for choices like that, I think that's the, the absolute best way where there's reasoning for both sides, but it's just a a choice that you have to make, you know, sacrifices need to be made on either side and that shapes your character. Now that, to me, is a great system to develop a character in a game. There need to be shades of gray because, I don't know, I feel like now games tend to just, they just reward the extremes. Like the more evil or the more good you are, the better your actual gameplay experience. These choices you make in dialogue or based on the situations that you're put in where you have one choice or the other will affect your skills or things that are available to you and i think it while it's it's kind of cool it's also kind of unfair because maybe maybe you want to develop a character that doesn't fall down these very specific um roles that are prescribed to you i mean yeah um I liked I like to play games kind of like how I would approach them in real life. Mm-hmm. So typically I'm I typically play a good character in most games. But um if someone, you know, wrongs me or betrays me, I'm gonna fucking kill that guy. So <laughs> and you say it with such passion too. <laughs> like, no, I will stab him in the back. And a lot of times it doesn't really bode well with the good character, bad character type thing. And right. also like games like Infamous, it only really rewards you for going really good or really bad because the further down the dark path you get you get more powerful moves that you can use and if you kind of just like waver in the middle like in the gray somewhere you don't really get anything good 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I was noticing. Like, I really wanted some of the evil stuff, but I kind of didn't want to make all those asshole decisions, like just kill random people, things like that. So for most of the beginning, I kind of hung out around that center line, and I would upgrade the powers that were independent of good or bad karma. I would upgrade my health and things like that, the ones that that didn't require any sort of um, tendency in terms of morality until I figured out, you know, what would be better for me. And that's that's sort of unnatural. I like games that let you respond to every situation very naturally. Yeah, it's kind of forcing you down like a, like a path that you don't necessarily want to go down, but you're doing it just because like, oh, I want to be able to get like that extra strong lightning bolt on the evil side. <clears throat> so... Mm. I have to be a dick the rest of the game to get that, and I don't necessarily play playing that way. Yeah. Well, my only problem with that is if you're going to have, if you want to be a neutral, if you're going to, if you're going to put in the ability to be neutral, why even have a morality system at all? Like, if you, if they're going to give you free reign to choose whatever you want, and you're not going to be impacted for it left or right, then why even include a system where you have those choices to begin with? Mm-hmm. Because if you're just going to react naturally to to each choice that comes up, then you're going to just stick right in the middle unless you're a saint mm-hmm. or you're a douchebag. Like Which we know we are. Yes. <laughs> um, but it, see, that that's where it becomes a slippery slope. If, if In order to really like embrace neutrality, I feel like there doesn't, there shouldn't be a morality system at all. There shouldn't be a reward for being wholly good or wholly bad. That mm-hmm. way you don't have to worry about making neutral decisions if you want to like this guy and not like this guy you don't have to worry about it because you're not going to lose out on anything for not liking everyone or liking everyone mm-hmm. yeah so i don't if you're going to if you're going to focus on neutrality do not put any re- specific rewards on being good or being bad because if you do then neutrality is probably impossible I thought Oblivion, the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, did that pretty well because they gave you a lot of choices in the game where you could be kind of an asshole or really, really nice, and you could be whoever you wanted to be, and it didn't give you, you know, good karma, bad karma type of thing. It was kind of that wasn't really important to the story. I mean, you you could still be good or bad when you needed to be, and it wouldn't really affect what was going on in the world around you that much, which is good because, like, normally I'm a good character, but the evil missions in that game were like the most fun in the game. And that would have Mm -hmm. broken it. I think if, you know, it it made you do those missions and there was a morality system in place there that would, I don't know, that would have been kind of awful, but I really enjoyed it the way they did because I got to be the character that I wanted to be. And I wasn't getting direct feedback all the time. Like, Oh, you were bad here, negative points and you were good here positive points and this is the kind of character you are you kind of yeah it became a more holistic experience i think yeah you kind of reflect yourself onto that character because you're not getting direct feedback all the time about like the decisions you're making you know so i thought that that was handled well and and it embraced the neutral type thing too because it can be neutral if you want you know right and jason while i understand that it makes less sense to even have a morality system if you want to tread that neutral path. I mean, that's just an option. That's maybe one playthrough if you want to play the game a few times. But I think the way that games like Oblivion 
or even Mass Effect, like you mentioned, or Dragon Age um, handle things. It has more to do with relationships with other characters, with NPCs, and how they respond to you. It affects your game in that way. Like, it makes it more uh, difficult to get somewhere when dealing with specific characters. I think that is a really good way to deal with it if you don't want to necessarily punish gamers for going one way or the other. I mean, there's value in both. I definitely see that. I absolutely agree with that. I love the fact that any conversation you have with any of your partners in Dragon Age can either make them approve you or disapprove of you. I love that. But at the same time, it affects things in the story, which is not that bad. Like, I don't have to play through where I bone Morgan. I'm not worried about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, see, that's all from a narrative perspective rather than right, a gameplay perspective. Right, which I'm okay with. I, as much as I loved Infamous, I didn't like the fact that in order to get a certain power, I had to be wholly good or wholly bad. Right, exactly. That That is what I don't like about it. But if it's just affecting the story, then I guess that wouldn't be as bad. Though it, it is rather rewarding to Bone Morgan. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. She's such a little bitch, and then when she finally comes around, you're just like, "Ha ha! I conquered you!" Oh, it's just a facade. <laughs> She's just putting up a facade in the whole the whole That's beginning of the story. That's all it is. You just have to be mean to her. The, the meaner you are to her, that that's what you have to do. That's what it is, and that's a terrible life lesson to tell kids. The, not, not well, like, kids shouldn't be playing that game. That's true. It's mature. <laughs> It's an adult really, game. Yeah, the more of a dickhead you are to the girls, the more they'll flock to you, which is actually true. I was like, wait, that's that's a real life lesson right there. That is that, that is the truth. That is fact. That is oh boy. Fact. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Gamer note. The day, gentlemen. The Lotharios of the world. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Christ. Jason just celebrated his uh, fifth anniversary. Just want to make that clear. That which is true, but that's because she's very tolerant of my of, <laughs> of your infidelity. No, no. <laughs> God, infidelity. <laughs> my video game infidelity. You, that's it. You and Morgan. Very tolerant of my shortcomings. Oh, okay. Of which there are very few. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, whole different type of morality, infidelity. Yeah. Did you invite Tiger Woods? <laughs> um, there it was. There's the reference. I'm not saying it again. Um, back to what we were supposed to be talking about. I don't what are we have talking this. about? That's not, I, don't, I don't know. My infidelity, apparently. Oh. Um, nope. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I totally derailed for a second there. No, well, we were on the subject of um, affecting narrative and relationships in uh, – in games as opposed to specific gameplay rewards based on your uh, your moral choices. And like we were talking about Dragon Age a little bit. And yeah, Dragon Age does a lot of stuff really well, especially relationships with characters. Like you, You're always either being approved of or disapproved of by your teammates. And as you go through the game, you actually develop your relationship with these characters and you and as a as a player you really end up liking the characters and they end up working better with you and supporting you as you play through this really sort of grim situation or series of situations however a lot of times 
uh, in Dragon Age and in and in other games. I noticed this a lot. I wrote a, a little article about it a little while ago. I feel like there aren't enough choices for the player because a lot of times I think that I may not want to do I like I just don't want to respond the way that developers ask me to you know they're like they they want me to do one thing or the other or the other or the other and just none of them is appealing so it becomes uh, more difficult to place myself in the story so it's hard to transpose my personal morality onto a character's sense of morality in a video game when I don't have the full breadth of options that I would have in the real situation. So. Yeah. Um, at least I thought Mass Effect was good at least giving the illusion that you had lots of choices, <laughs> lots of dialogue options. <clears throat> not that it's not that like I'm ever at all saying that's a bad game or anything like that because I loved Mass Effect a lot. But on my second playthrough, I was a little bit disappointed. When I chose different dialogue options and I was getting the same reactions, and yeah, it's... the game not feel as deep as I originally thought it was, and that some of the choices weren't actually choices. It was just the game funneling me down like a specific tree of dialogue that it wanted me to with a specific reaction in mind, you know, because that was how I was supposed to play the game. And the first time through, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. There's so many different ways this can happen. And, and then mm-hmm. it kind of didn't pan out so much. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like you have the option to press any of four buttons, and you think that one of, like, each one is going to lead through a different door. But really, exactly. behind that facade, they all go to the same place. Yeah. While Mass Effect, yes, it did put up a bit of a facade, it is going to be the first game to bridge your choices between multiple games. I am excited for that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see how that's going to turn out. If you remember the choice you had to make at the very end of the game, um, I have a feeling that, well, it's 2009. If you didn't play it before, screw you. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> you had to, Two years old. <laughs> yeah, really. You had to choose between... Captain or Ambassador Udina to be the Earth uh, Council member. Now, throughout the entire game, Anderson's awesome and Udina's a dick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people would be drawn to Captain Anderson. I would not be surprised if that comes back to bite you in the ass. Right, yeah. Either Anderson's going to become a huge jerk, or if you did pick Udina, even though you didn't really want to, he would be like the most helpful person on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Just because now, he was there. I think I beat the game twice and I started a second playthrough but never finished it because I was going to try and get to level 60 and I never did. So does it take the choices you've made in the new playthrough even though I haven't necessarily beaten it? No. So like no. which choices is it actually like carrying on? You get to take a look at all of your playthroughs, it'll give you the option at the beginning of the game, and you check and you say, okay, in this game I made this choice and this choice, and this person's alive and this person's dead. Okay, that's the one that I want to carry over. And then you do that, you select oh, okay. that, and then it takes all those choices. It doesn't just take the the main choices. It'll take every little thing. It copies your entire existence in the world of Mass Effect 1 over. 
I just know that when I punch that reporter in the face, it's going to come back and bite me in the ass. And it's going to happen. Well, my, my question is, is every time you start a new playthrough, does it give you that choice? If I have one playthrough where I made like a bunch of choices in one vein, and then a second playthrough of Mass Effect 1 where I made choices of the opposite, could I do a Mass Effect 2 playthrough with the one set of choices and then a new one with the other set of choices? I would imagine you could. I'm not certain 100%, but it seems logical that you would be able to choose for each playthrough. Because what if you're a different person playing through? You know, like like what if you have a, a, a brother who wants to play and they have a different save game for Mass Effect 1? Right. That makes sense. Hmm. Anyway, morality. Um, <laughs> morality. Let's see. Now, here's a question. Have you guys experienced any games where the sense of morality in the game or in the in the world in which the game the the game story is told is different from what you would expect from the real world? Can there be morality that is different from what we know as this is right and this is wrong? And have we seen that, and can we ever expect to see that? So you're basically talking like an alternate thought process. Yeah. Well, other than historical games, where, like, for example, Assassin's Creed 1, where in the 11th century, they would kill, they would chop off your hand for stealing an apple. Now they put it through an entire due process. With something like that, yes, the thought process of morality is going to be different, because the thought process of that time was different. But if you have a game set now... Mm-hmm. Um, unless they establish what the morals, the moral thought of the universe is, whether through backstory or through like a, a prologue type of thing, then no, I think it would be impossible to mm-hmm. not include our moral system. Because, right, because ultimately it's the player who lives in the real world actually playing. Right, <laughs> right. Um, I... I'm not going to go kill anybody in real life, so if I have the option to kill or spare, I'll probably spare, uh-huh. um, unless he's a real jerk. Um, and that'll be considered see, good. Same, right, but at the same time, that's the beauty of video games. You can make those moral choices that you can't make in real life and watch the consequences unfold before your eyes. Right. So maybe I might stray. Maybe I might be like, you know what? You were nice to me, but stab. And we'll- <laughs> <laughs> but stab. <laughs> I gouge. Just to awesome. see what happens. But as far as establishing different morals in the real world, unless they go through the story process of laying the foundation of that moral thought, it's, right. I, I think it's almost impossible. And that might that might be like awkward to do and, and right. just not flow well. Yeah, I don't know if um I don't know how like attached I could be to a game or its character. If uh, the world's more moral choices didn't necessarily confide with my own, you know, like if the world's like more morality was different than our own that we're living in now. And the good thing that I thought that I'm doing isn't necessarily like, you know, what is normal in, in that world. You know, I don't know if I could really get lost in that type of thing and like think like this is a great game. Like and enjoying the character and the world is sucking me in, you know, it's just like. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with this. All right. See, I'm thinking right now about um, where, like, how that could even exist, and I, I just sort of flashed on Greek mythology, where it seemed that 
trickery and theft and cheating and lying, those were all like looked highly at because um, it was a person or, or mythical being showing their dominance or superiority over others. So like by stealing, people would look at you more highly. <laughs> and uh, well, I don't yeah, know, that would be I weird. That would be the that would be the thought process of the time. Yeah. Um, with research, as you just said, you yeah, with research you would see that Greek mythology thought that way. So if they made a game with Greek mythology, oh wait, they did. Um, <laughs> but not that, so much with morality. Right. Yet. Right. That's more like um, <laughs> I'm killing everybody because one person crossed me. Um, that's morality for you. That, yeah. There you go. Morality, my ass. <laughs> that's like Duke Nukem morality right there. Um, I'm all out of bubblegum. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the thought process of the time. So with a little bit of back knowledge before you started the game, you would know that things like that happen. Like Assassin's Creed 2. I complete a mission where I assassinate a guy who's been terrorizing the town, and how am I rewarded? Four courtesans at once. Yes. <laughs> should yes. happen now? <laughs> what it should. Yes. That's exactly yeah, that, what I wanted. That shit wouldn't happen now. However, it would it would be great great compensation but it just it would not happen now right mm. now you would be given the key to some city and sent on your merry way or arrested for killing somebody um so <laughs> it, it's a it's a moral history lapse if you mm -hmm. will in the 15th century you killed a guy who was being a dick people would overlook it and give you sex <laughs> you get arrested for killing somebody whether he was a jerk or not right it, it's it's all thought process I would say. Mm. Fact. Fact. Now, I have a question. Okay. Are there any games that you thought would be improved by their by a morality system or are detracted because of their morality system? Oh, now that is a good question. Well, of course, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> no. Do I want to save the princess? <laughs> Do I want to join with Bowser and torture her for the rest of her life? Because... Quite frankly, she keeps getting in this position herself, and eventually, I'm just going to stop caring. Can we uh, save this bitch so many times? Stupid. No, stupid. seriously though, um, I'm trying hard. I'm like over at my shelf right now, looking at games that I have here. What games could be improved by morality? How would you, here's a, here's one. See if you can wrap your head around this, because I can't just thinking about it. Would there be a way to put a morality system into a Zelda game? I, like, passed over that a couple times. I was like, man, uh, I don't know if Zelda could be improved by morality. Because well, um, it doesn't talk. Yeah, and also, like, what are you going to do? Just not save the kingdom and go back in the woods and the game's over? Well, no, I think it was more about how you went about saving the princess. Would you go the high route and just storm the gates? Or would you be more, you know, in the shadows, which is, I guess isn't morality. That's yeah, it's not morality. I guess they, if they made it more, more story driven, and focused on Link and his, his relationships with characters in Hyrule or wherever he is, then it would open up the opportunity to, uh, to make more choices. But then it would start to drift more towards something like Dragon Age. Jason, you just made me think about another game that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't have a morality system, but the main character clearly 
has a very well-defined sense of morality, and it's entirely selfish. Um, Shadow of the Colossus. Yes. Okay. Now, now imagine if in Shadow of the Colossus you could realize through your play that what you were doing was wrong, and in some way the story could change to you preventing Dorman from being reawakened as opposed to being the instrument of his reawakenment, you know, just because you want your, uh, your girlfriend to live again. Right. Now that would be interesting. That although, be interesting. although I don't know that I want to change anything about Shadow of the Colossus, to be honest. But at the same time, if you, if you realized halfway through that what you were doing was going to cause basically the end of the world, wouldn't you just be like, all right, she's not worth it. Bye. That's the end of the game. Yeah, but they could integrate it somehow with the progression through the Colossi. Like each one gives Dorman more power. Like they could just, they would have to change the fundamentals of the game, but I think it would be possible. And then maybe at the point where you make that decision, it could be a struggle to recontain him or it. Well, true. Uh, yeah. That, I, I guess that could work, but that would require a sequel to Shadow of the Colossus, and I don't think it needs it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to change anything now, about Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> going back to a uh, previous conversation, are, are you more of a fan of, of story-driven narrative morality, or are you more a fan of like little bullshit choices, like, for example, Bioshock, Save or Harvest? Um, well, yeah, I would definitely be more a fan of choices – that have a greater impact on your on the narrative as it plays out than just on okay this is what you did you were good or you were bad thanks or no thanks yeah, yeah. thanks dick but the thing about bioshock though is that those moments were very powerful i think it was more about the experience of killing a little girl or, or saving her while you're playing this game in such a crazy, horrible situation that it was just a very, very strong um, sort of emotional thing. I don't know. I was never really that moved by the little sisters when, um, when you harvest them or David harvest them. I know I didn't really... Uh, it didn't really impact me that much. I didn't like here. Uh, and I kind of, now that you bring it up, it kind of seems like similar to Infamous, is that if you want more powers, you want better ones, then you have to harvest the little sisters because you'll get more Adam mm-hmm. and you'll to, to buy more things. Where if you're, you're, if you go good and save all of them, you get like a fraction of the amount of Adam. And then it's just like if you want to be a complete badass, you kind of have to kill some little sisters and take their Adam. Right. I don't know. I was never really that, like, oh, my God, I just killed a little sister. You know, I was... <laughs> I just didn't care. Eh, I don't know. They, they do the same thing every time. Yeah. And after a while, it kind of just... Was, sort of numbed you. Yeah. Yeah, it was numbing. and it, It's just the same animation and sound and everything like that, same little sequence. Mm-hmm. And it just it was just like a gameplay hook after a while. So. Yeah, I guess I could understand that. The first time I did it, I saved the game beforehand, 
and then I saved in a new slot after I don't know what I did if I harvested her or uh, saved her. You know what? I'm glad that you said that because I feel like a lot of games, the Morelia systems, they present it in a way that you feel is like the right choice or the be- or the wrong choice of what you want to do. And um, being able to save your game right before that and make your decision and deciding like, oh, wait, I didn't want to do that and going back mm-hmm. and then replaying it and choosing something different kind of takes away from the point of having a right. Morelia system. Whereas like a game like Grand Theft Auto 4, it kind of made it like... You, you weren't really sure, like, what was going to be the right choice. Oh, and the oh, yeah. the second you made the choice, it auto-saved. Right. So you couldn't go back and, you know, load up a save and choose the other thing. And, like, it makes you live with that decision for the rest of the game. And and that makes it more impactful, that the fact that you can't go back and, and change your decision because you're forced to stick with whatever you made. And I, I like that. I think that makes it much more impactful that you are forced to actually live with decisions you make. It's kind of like real world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do it right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so, just to close out, I guess, because we've kind of come to the end of our rope here, what do you want to see in the future of uh, morality systems and, and player-driven narrative you know based on choices uh tyler um well i'm really excited for mass effect 2 and what that's going to do and i'm really really hoping that the illusion will become a reality in like the different Mm -hmm. choices you can make in dialogue to them actually being like different choices and different reactions i think that alone would just make the game so much deeper so much worth playing over and over again and so much more realistic you know i mean that's pretty much like all I could ask for at this point is just for that kind of thing to be real. I can't really think of anything else that like I would want to improve. It's just that I would like to feel like, you know, I'm actually making an impact on the world with every conversation I have, you know? Yeah. And how about you, Jason? I want, I would like a game to put me in a position where I don't like the choice I make either way. Hmm. I would like to be, whether it's, Kind of like the one in Infamous, kill one to save thousands, or kill thousands, kill kill some to save one. Mm-hmm. One where either way, I know the the decision is going to be bad, right. but I have to make a decision, and I have to make it now. Right. That that kind of thing. I, I want a little more unease in my decisions. I don't want to know that the decision I'm going to make is going to impact the world in this way. I want to make a decision and be like, oh crap, what did I just do? <laughs> you know what? I, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I I there's not enough of that. There's not enough morality choices where I'm like, okay, it makes me look better in this in this person's eyes or okay, I killed this person, which means they won't show up later on down the road. I want more of all right. I made this decision. What now? A, yeah. Which is why the ending of Mass Effect choosing Anderson or Urudina is so appealing because it was the end. Right. Yeah. You don't know how it affected the world until the sequel comes out. That's the best type of system to me. The ones that make every choice monumental, where it affects you as a player and it affects the narrative of the story. Not so much into the little, okay, you do this, you get this power, whatever. But I like to have closure. You, you kind of had to have those little meaningless 
like decisions almost because if you're making monumental decisions throughout the entire game it's going to become you know numb and like just kind of overwhelming and exhausting after a point i mean you kind of need like those little tiny like whatever. i want to be exhausted i want to be exhausted <laughs> i want to come out of a game just sweating and crying <laughs> and yeah, like see, there's not enough of that there's not enough like emotional holy shit is this gonna is this gonna affect me for the rest of my life type thing yeah. like i made that decision and now people are gonna think badly of me and what if speaking of facebook integration what if mass effect 2 you have a decision like that and then as soon as you make it it posts which one you chose <laughs> that would so be all, awesome all, but it'd be all your confusing to my friends who don't play video games which right all your dumb. friends would be like wow you're a fucking weirdo you chose the alien over the human what's wrong with you <laughs> what are you a furry yeah. <laughs> that's awesome actually now that i think about it tyler those little choices in between, I would like the little choices in between to be the ones that have multiple shades of gray that sort of define your character as a character, and then the bigger choices to be super impactful on the narrative. I think that would be a good mix of yeah, the two types. You know, does the small ones define the character, the large ones define the narrative. I would like that. And closure. After every decision, closure. No, no going back. That's it. You have to make your decision and and live with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would be uh, a game that I would never stop playing, probably. <laughs> over and over. All right. Forever. But we can't play this podcast over and over forever because it's done now. And other than that. Gamernode's going to be having the 2009 Nodi Awards uh, around the end of December. A lot of good categories. Um, big year for games, man. Big year big for year, games. It was year. a beautiful and fun year in gaming. So you'll definitely want to check that out. I recently wrote a column called The Uncanny Valley of Gameplay, which vaguely relates to some of the things that we were talking about today. If you go to Gamernode, to my column, you could find that. Which may or may not indirectly relate to something we may have talked about today. Exactly. Other than that, hope you enjoyed listening, and we will see you the next time. Later. Peace. See ya. He's making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay, you're back.